Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. We serve a God of divine strategy. We serve a God of divine design who wants to give you a plan because the God that we serve brings deliverance before our dilemma. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and today I want to share with you the prophetic properties of a plan as we look at perhaps one of the greatest plans ever presented in God's word. And that was Esther's plan to bring Haman down. And God did it in three days. But before we do that, I want to invite you to our podcast website, which is mydayofdestiny.com. That's mydayofdestiny.com, where you can actually download all of our podcasts that are actually heard on nationwide platforms. And beloved saints, the most important thing about mydayofdestiny.com is that you not only can download former podcasts that you can keep in your biblical library, but also you will have an opportunity to order my latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. And I tell you, beloved, after many, over 40 years of experience, a product of the Jesus, the Jesus People Revival. This was such a powerful movement of God that you can see how the anointing of the Holy Spirit through years of while Catherine Kuhlman was still alive, being allowed to go to her services and learn about the person and power of the Holy Spirit, being a participant in the great charismatic renewal of the 1970s and moving into the ministry of God. I want to share with you the supernatural secrets, biblical secrets that are in God's word. Plus you will be able to see in that book the times that we smuggled Bibles into China and did so many other tremendous missionary works, frontier missions, around the world. Beloved, this was featured on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural across the nation. So I invite you, order your copy now of Secrets of the Anointing, and you can order it on mydayofdestiny.com. Now, beloved saints, let's begin today's podcast. And today, before we do that, I want to pray Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we release the anointing. We release the miraculous mantle of the Holy Spirit upon all of our friends, upon all of those viewing today. Lord, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to break yokes. And Lord, every person who is in a place where they need a plan, 
Father, you are the God of divine design. I pray that the prophetic anointing and that the understanding of the spirit will be so revealed in the life of your people that, Lord, they will be able to extract the tools necessary to cause the vision to become visible and also for the supernatural strategies of spiritual warfare that are needed in their lives. Father God, that you would release it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, beloved saints, you know we serve a God of initiative. And biblical initiative is one of the most important principles of seeing the supernatural in the Bible. And today I'm going to share with you Esther's plan, but we are going to actually look at the properties of a plan. This word plan needs to be evaluated in the Hebrew language. So let's go first to the book of Jeremiah. And we are going to see in Jeremiah chapter 29, one of the most important words that are used for plan. And we see this beloved saints. If we look at Jeremiah chapter 29, looking at verse 11, the Bible says, see the plans that I have for you are plans of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, beloved, in the Hebrew language, this word, the plans, actually in King James is translated, the thoughts that I have toward you are thoughts of good and thoughts of peace and not of evil. This word thoughts is actually the word makshava or makshavot for plural. And it's very important that we understand that the power of a plan is actually related to this Hebrew word and Hebrew concept, makshava. Now, for the sake of those who want to really know what makshava is, makshava is thought. And in the Hebrew language, we actually have three different types of thought. We have the hihur or the hihurim, which are thoughts that come out of the heart. Then we have makshavot, which are the thoughts that come from the seat of our intellect. Or we can have the ra'ayon. These thoughts, or the ra'ayonot, the thoughts, beloved saints, that are thoughts that come from the will. So we see that thoughts are actually the very material that God uses to manufacture a plan. And we see, beloved saints, that when we understand makshava, we actually see hidden in this word, the word heshban, which means to calculate. It means to take inventory. So here we see in our thoughts that God wants a certain type when we are going to begin to prepare a plan. There are the properties in that plan of calculating and counting and assessing and that God is actually going to use our imagination, not for something that is just going to fantasize, something that is not going to happen, but when God is going to birth a plan in your life, we actually see two very important prophetic properties. And those are the properties of that which is creative and that which is innovative. Let's look at the word of God so we can see how the plan that God is going to put inside of you, 
the plan that's going to bring deliverance. Or perhaps it's a plan to make your vision visible. You see, you can have a vision, but if your vision doesn't have a plan behind it, then your vision can never get off the ground. God wants to give you supernatural strategies that will make the vision that's inside of you a reality. And that's what God did in his word. Moses was the visionary. Moses received the vision from God on Mount Sinai. The vision was the tabernacle, but Bezalel was the designer. He was the architect. He put the plan together. And in order to put the plan together, he had to be filled with the spirit of God. Do you know why it is so important when you put the plan together to be filled with the spirit of God? Because biblical success is not secular. Let me say that again. Biblical success is not secular. The Lord said to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Good success is not secular success. Good success is biblical success. And we, when we study the Bible, can actually study the biblical success secrets because biblical success outpowers, it outnumbers, it outweighs the secular success. Because you see, secular success only lasts momentary. And secular success comes from man. But you see, biblical success comes from God's word. It comes from appropriating God's word. It's supernatural. And it comes from the spirit of God. And this is why the Bible teaches us that in order to put Moses's plan into action, to make it visible, that Bezalel had to be filled with the spirit of God. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 31, verses two through four, let me just read verse two, verse three, and partially verse four. And you will see the word in verse four for plan. Notice it says in verse two, see, I have called Bezalel by name, the son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in all wisdom, understanding, and in knowledge. Notice verse four begins with to devise cunning works. Did you notice that the Bible is showing us that the plan that is going to be innovated through Bezalel is to devise cunning works? This means that the plan is innovative and that the plan is also creative. Two prophetic properties that are going to flow out of the plan. So this means the innovation that is coming from the plan comes from the spirit of God. This is why the Bible says, the Bible says, I have filled him with the spirit of God in all wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Now let's take it a step higher. Because if we look at the Aramaic translation of the Hebrew scriptures, and it's so great to see the Hebrew scriptures translated into the Aramaic language. Do you know why? Because this was the conversational language in first century Galilee. This was the language of Jesus 
and his Talmudim. And it is very important to understand that when the Aramaic translators translated the Bible from Hebrew to Aramaic, that they didn't just make a translation, they did something very special. They made it an interpretation so that the sages who are the authoritative translators who translated the Bible from Hebrew to Aramaic actually put interpretations on the verses. And one of the interpretations that the biblical translators that translated the Hebrew scriptures into Aramaic translated, I have filled him with the spirit of God to actually translate to the interpretation, I have filled him with the spirit of prophecy. So we understand that the spirit of God and being filled with the spirit of God is spiritually synonymous in the Aramaic translations of the scriptures, spiritually synonymous with the spirit of prophecy. So we must understand from the Aramaic translators being filled with the spirit of prophecy and being filled with the spirit of God is actually the same thing. And we must understand that according to the Aramaic translators, being filled with the spirit of prophecy is not limited only to thus saith the Lord. We actually see that where the spirit of God is and when the work of the spirit is within a vessel, when we see the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding and knowledge, we see that these workings are actually prophetic properties. So therefore, we see that the plan God's going to put inside of you, this plan that's going to bring the downfall of demonic power, it could be a spiritual strategy in warfare. It could be a spiritual strategy to devise the vision for your ministry. It could be a spiritual strategy or a plan that God is giving you to actually be able to build something. Jesus commands his disciples in Luke chapter 14. He said, if a man is going to build a house, first he has to count the cost. What did he mean by that? We go back to the concept of makshaba. We go back to the concept of this Hebrew word, makshab or makshabot, thoughts that are actually born in calculation and counting. This means a logical assessment that God is going to use our imagination, not just for fantasy, for something that's never going to happen, but he actually gives us the plan. He shows us how to do it. And we do it very logically, but it's not from our own logic. It's from the spirit of God, giving us the wisdom, the understanding and the knowledge, how to calculate the plan. And so this is why Jesus said, if a man is going to build a house, let him count the cost. He also said, he not only used this word count, but he also used the concept of calculation because there has to be a plan. And we see that this Hebrew word makshab is related to the concept of counting and it's related to the concept of calculating. Jesus said, if there be a king and he go out to war, doesn't he first sit down and calculate how many numbers he has, whether he has sufficient 
whether to win the war or what type of war. You see, beloved saints, we need to understand that we need to actually move out in this concept of makshaba, which contains the prophetic properties that are innovative and creative. That's why the Bible says in Exodus 31, verse 4, to devise cunning works. And I speak right now to you in the name of Jesus. Every person that's been given a vision and has never moved, moved forward into that vision. And you're just praying, God, let it happen. God, let it happen. God, let it happen. Well, child of God, let me just tell you, God's waiting for you to move. God is waiting for you to have enough innovation within yourself, enough chutzpah to go out and say, you know what? I'm going to believe God, but you're not going to go out and believe God just beating the wind. You have to have a plan because the God that we serve as a God of the plan. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But if you notice in Revelation chapter 13, verse eight, he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, and we see in verse four and verse five and in verse 11, that there was a predestined plan, a predestined purpose. And you see, this is all by divine design. God wants to give you a plan. It doesn't matter how small. It doesn't matter how insignificant it may seem. You may say, how can I put a plan together? I never went to university to learn marketing or to learn the, the plan or the schemes. I don't know anything. Beloved saints, God wants to give you the plan. You can get it from the word of God. You start innovating it because the plan is innovative and the plan is creative. And the two prophetic properties of creative and innovative, these two prophetic properties are actually the yesod or the foundation of these properties are counting and calculating, properly assessing. So you've got to assess, what do I have? What has God put into my hand to make it work. Because if you notice in Exodus chapter 35, those that were filled with the spirit of wisdom, who were called by the spirit of God to make the garments for Aaron, the Bible tells us that they were filled with the spirit of wisdom and who also designed the, um, the design, the design, the divine design of the furnishings that went inside the tabernacle. The Bible says that God filled them with the spirit of wisdom to know how to work. So this means that they knew how to work. And we must understand this work, this word for work, this word for device, this word for count, this word for calculate, this word to, um, to devise. These are all components of the word makshava, so that we understand that makshav actually is the logical portion of our memory or of our mind to be able to rationally put together the plan that God has ordained for us. And we want to see the second prophetic, uh, the second area of the prophetic properties of the power of a plan. And we see this, these prophetic properties are the properties of revelation and inspiration. Now, beloved saints, let me explain this. This is not hard. This is so simple. God wants you through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of prophecy. If you have been baptized in the spirit, you have already received the power of prophecy upon your life. The Bible says it shall come to pass 
in the last days, saith the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Your young men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out of my spirit. And the last line of verse 18 says, and they shall prophesy. Let me exegete this for you for one moment. I want you to see that when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, this is that, he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh because in the concept and in the mindset of the first century Jew, the outpouring of the spirit was spiritually synonymous with the spirit of prophecy. This is why the Bible says, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Your young men shall dream dreams. Now look at verse 18. And upon my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out of my spirit. But I want you to see that the last line in verse 18, even though verse 18 is actually a direct, a direct quote from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, but I want you to see that the last line of that verse, and they shall prophesy, is not in the Joel version of the text. It is something that Peter added on the day of Pentecost. It is not in the Joel version. The Joel version says, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Young men shall dream dreams. Upon my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out of my spirit. It does not say, and they shall prophesy. But Peter on the day of Pentecost adds this line to Joel's prophecy because why? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy. So we must understand the spirit of prophecy is not limited just to thus saith the Lord. God wants to give you the spirit of prophecy for divine design. He wants to inspire you on how to make your vision work. He wants to inspire you on how to prepare the plan. He wants to do for you what he did for Esther. You see, the Bible tells us in Esther chapter five, verse one, and it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on royalty. Now, in the concept of Hebrit, we must understand the original language in the book of Esther, in the Hebrew language, it does not say Esther put on royal apparel. I want you to see that it actually reads, Esther put on royalty. But it's so hard for us to comprehend how does a person put on royalty? Well, first of all, we know she put on the royal character traits because she always wore those character traits. The character traits of humility, the character traits of obedience to Mordecai, the character traits of Hasid, the character traits of selflessness. And we see these character traits that are really on the resume for royalty that the Bible presents to us in Esther chapter 2. But I want you to also see that the actual commentaries that are very ancient, written by the rabbinic uh, sages, actually tell us in a document called Esther Rabbah. Actually, we see that in the book of Esther, Rashi, one of the most quoted rabbis of um, the ancient times, is actually commentating 
on what the sages say. The sages say she put on royalty and he makes a comment that she put on the Ruach HaKadosh. She put on the anointing, but also she put on the spirit of God, but she also put on the spirit of prophecy. And this spirit of prophecy came upon Esther so powerfully that she was able to actually understand Haman so completely. She understood the composite of that wicked mind. She understood how he thought, and she was able to devise a plan to bring Haman down. She was also able in her tremendous insight, because insight is also um, a prophetic property to be able to have word of knowledge, to be able to operate in insight. This means knowledge that she could have never understood in her own, but that being filled with the spirit of God, when she put on royalty, she was actually able to see into the psychology of, of, of King Ahasuerus, King Ahasuerus, how he thought and what would make him actually comply to her request. Even though he said, I'll give it to you up to half the kingdom. Esther was a sharp cookie. She was wise enough to know that if she was going to ask immediately for the life of her people, which she asked for the life of her people, but she had a plan behind it. Notice when she first came to the king, she didn't flutter her eyelashes and depend on her earthly beauty. No, she did not depend on anything of this world to deliver her people. She was totally and completely dependent upon the spirit of God. And she had a plan that she had devised from the three days of fasting. She was not going to risk the lives of her people by just going before the, before the king and fluttering her eyelashes. The book of Esther is not a fairy tale. I want you to understand she was willing to lay her life down unto the death. She came before the king completely dead to herself, dead to her emotions, dead to her attachment to any earthly title as queen of Persia. You must understand she is a type and shadow of the church who must lay their lives down when we are called upon to step into our highest dimension of destiny and go forward in our platform and that platform that leads to purpose. We too have to be willing to lay our life down unto the death. And Esther did this. She said, if I perish, I perish. Avodity, avodity, which is spiritually synonymous with the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. He said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He who saves his life is going to lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. So we see Esther as a type, Esther as a shadow of someone who laid her life down unto the death. And because she did this, she became completely pliable and yielded, compliable to the person and power of the Holy Spirit so that God gave her supernatural insight. She was able to see into the psychology of King Ahasuerus so that when she came with a plan, she didn't just say, oh, please save me and my people. We're going to die. No, she didn't put it like that. She came boldly. She put it off. She didn't just give it the first night. She built intrigue. She built suspicion. She made it sound like she was giving 
uh, the king and Haman a banquet, only two. She devised a plan to turn the two upon uh, as enemies upon one another. She actually maneuvered the whole thing. And when she went before the king, she said, my request is save my life at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold. If we had been sold as slaves, as bondmen and bondwomen, I would have held my peace. Although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. What is she saying here? She's actually using the fact that she had insight into Ahasuerus' mind. She actually knew that the plan that she had to present was one not based on please have compassion on us because this was a ruthless man. This was a person who had absolutely zero compassion. She's not going to risk the lives of her people believing that some man who is absolutely lower than a human being who actually has no compassion whatsoever. You say, Dr. Corral, show me scripture in verse. All right, let's look at Haman's final solution. He prepares the final solution, his plan that he gives to King Ahasuerus. And he uses euphemistic phrases to cover up the genocide. For example, he says there is a people who who are scattered abroad throughout the empire, and it is not in the king's quote-unquote profit to suffer them. A euphemistic phrase for the extermination of all the Jews across the empire, across the 127 provinces. Secondly, he says, if it please the king, and if it be found good to the king, if it seem good, the, the confusion between good and evil, then let it be written that they may be destroyed. But notice that his plan is, his final solution is, that I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of this business. Charge of this business? Do you mean the manufacturing of genocide of over uh, millions of Jews who live in the Persian empire to be exterminated on one day? Haman, you are calling this business? This is a euphemistic phrase, very similar to the euphemisms that were used in the final solution, such as special treatment. Special treatment in the final solution meant the extermination of Jews by gassing them or by placing cyanide in the showers. We need to understand these wicked, evil devices, these evil euphemisms that were used to cover up genocide are actually constructed and carefully crafted by the Nazi criminals who were hung. And of course, they were hung by Esther's request that was given back in the book of Esther in the ninth chapter and the 13th verse, when Esther requested of the king, let it be done tomorrow according to today's decree. And let the 10 sons of Haman hang on the gallows. What did she mean by that? You and I must know the 10 sons of Haman were already hung. The Bible tells us in Esther chapter 9, when the king said, already the 10 sons of Haman are dead. He says this in verse, he says this in verse 9, and he goes again and he says it again in verse 12, that the 10 sons of Haman are dead and they are hung on the gallows. What further request do you have, Queen Esther? And Queen Esther in verse 19 requests, she said, 
if it please the king and if it be pleasing in thy sight, then let it be done tomorrow according to today's decree. And let the 10 sons of Haman hang on the gallows. They're already dead. So what did Esther mean by this word makar, tomorrow? Makar can mean not only 24 hours, but makar can mean way off in the future. Tomorrow, let the 10 sons of Haman hang. Did you know that those 10 sons of Haman were actually the 10 war criminals of the Nuremberg trials that Queen Esther requested of the king of heaven, not the king on earth, that in the future, because her prophecy was so strong, she already saw the deaths of these 10 sons of Haman. And did you know that originally in the Nuremberg trials, they wanted to assassinate these 10 horrible, uh, outrageous Nazi criminals by execution through shooting, through through the execution uh, uh, death, uh, through the um, shooting of a rifle. But I want you to know that God is so good that the, the people requested no, that Queen Esther hundreds and thousands of years back requested of the king of heaven that these Nazi criminals would be hung in the future, that they would not be executed execution style with a rifle, but that they would be hung. And they were hung, all 10 of them, including Julia Stryker, who was the engineer of the most anti-Semitic magazine that went throughout all of Europe. And before he was hung, he said, hail Hitler. And he said, Purim Fest, 1946. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand Esther's prophecy was so strong. Her prophetic gifts were so strong. How did she get this plan? This plan that was given to her by the word of God. She got it, beloved saints, from God's word. These two prophetic properties, inspiration and revelation. What is inspiration? Inspiration isn't just looking at something and being inspired by saying, wow, I'm so inspired by these flowers or wow, I'm so inspired by this beautiful speech I heard today or this poetry. No, Uh, inspiration is the word of God. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired of God and it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction in righteousness that the man of God, woman of God, may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we see the way Esther constructed her petition to the king. She was actually quoting Judah from the book of Genesis in the 37th chapter, Joseph's sale and being sold into slavery. And she actually used those very words and she actually used the concept of Joseph's sale um, to be compared and to reveal the bad business deal that Haman made to the king. Because actually that business deal was was um, I will pay into the hands of those who have charge of this genocide business, those who have charge of this business, I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the king's treasuries. And actually in reality, he was gonna pay the 10,000 talents into the hands of the murderers, not into the king's treasuries. And so the king's treasuries were actually gonna suffer loss. But I want you to see that Esther actually revealed it. She uncovered the wicked plan of Haman by causing Haman to fall into his own trap. And this only came from the word of God. She received it from inspiration. 
And when you get a scripture from inspiration, God wants to give you divine revelation on that inspiration. That means the Holy Spirit is going to make it so alive to you. Beloved saints, I pray today that you actually use the power of a plan in your life. And I pray today that God's anointing will be so strong on you that the plan that God is giving you will be used so exceedingly and so abundantly. Right now, Father God, I release the power of a plan in the life of every person. God, I pray that they would write the vision, make it plain upon the tablets, that he may, that sees it, may run with it. God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we release the anointing. We release the power of the Holy Ghost. We release the um, supernatural anointing of the spirit to go forth in Jesus mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Now, beloved saints, it is just such a blessing to have you have joined us today. And I want to bring you to our website for our podcasts. And that is mydayofdestiny.com. And you can get your copy of Secrets of the Anointing. This is one of the most powerful books. It shows us how Esther got the diadem of destiny through the anointing. It shows the anointing on King David's life. It shows us the operation and the demonstration of the spirit, both in modern times and in ancient times past. Also, I give some of my personal experiences like smuggling Bibles into China. And I want you to know that this book was featured on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural. So I don't want you to miss out on this book. You can go to mydayofdestiny.com and order your own personal copy of Secrets of the Anointing. And also, beloved, I want to invite you to be a partner in world evangelism for the poor. And you can do that by loving your neighbor as yourself. Right now, the world is in a quandary. The world is in a time of great peril. And it is such a great blessing to be able to help orphans, to be able to help the poorest of the poor, to be able to bring water wells, to be able to bring daily feeding programs to squatters in the Philippines, to bring indigenous villagers grocery programs, to be able to bring children in the mountains feeding programs, and children in Uganda feeding programs, medical programs, children in Masaka and children in Kampala. It is such a blessing to uh, actually have you become one of the supporters of one of our latest Hesed projects, which is the Nazir Children's Home in Cairo, Egypt. We have worked on this for several years and it is such a blessing. And also now we have the Syrian Refugee Center as part of our work, a work in Pakistan, work in India. And you can be part of this work by sowing your seed today. And you can do that by going to our website, breathofthespirit.org. That's breathofthespirit.org. And beloved saints, Today, you can also be part by, uh, if you choose, to text your gift. And you can text to give on our push pay platform by dialing the number, by just encoding the number 77977 and text it to Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. Beloved, it is so wonderful to have you today. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you real soon. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. 
we invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.